You're listening to Security 360. I'm Rob Westervelt. This is episode three for May 24th, 2007, Industry Consolidation and Buying Strategies. Welcome to the program. Industry consolidation. Well, we've seen it played out in the enterprise application space, and it's been happening at a greater pace in the security industry. Recently, Verizon Business announced plans to acquire information security services vendor Cybertrust. And that acquisition was similar to one announced by British Telecom of Counterpane Internet Security. So that begs the question, is consolidation good for the market? Or will enterprises pay the price? In this edition, we'll have a conversation with Andy Jones. He's a researcher at the UK-based Information Security Forum. Jones talks about developing an effective security strategy. He says that compliance and audit issues are driving many security projects, but he also points out that security pros need to do more to defend their budgets and show that they're adding value to the company. Next, joining me is Sandra K. Miller. She's a freelance journalist who has had her eye on the security industry for at least a decade. And Miller gives her observations about the industry and explains why some companies may not fare well in this, this era of consolidation. And finally, Paul Adamanis. He's director of security solutions at IT consultancy Forthsight Security. And he talks about how to navigate vendor consolidation by developing a buying strategy. So let's get right down into it by getting an overview of the industry. With me is freelance journalist Sandra K. Miller. Sandra, welcome to the program. You're welcome. You've noticed, at least uh, in the past several years, an increase in the amount of industry consolidation in the security market. Absolutely. I mean, you look at things like Juniper Networks and uh, and NetScreen and and. Most recently, as, as you had mentioned, uh, CyberTrust being purchased by Verizon. Um, normally, you'd see technology companies purchase technology companies in their own space or as a way to integrate on um, almost a, a horizontal level. However, I think it's changing now where um, like service providers are purchasing security companies to integrate them into their current offerings. Explain that a little bit. What does that mean? Well, for example, uh, take uh, Earthlink and their acquisition of Alluria, um, an anti-spyware company. Uh, they've done it to integrate anti-spyware capability into their existing business model so they can provide a service to their consumers. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing that's happening with uh, Verizon and their acquisition of CyberTrust is they're not going to um, use CyberTrust as a product, per se, Mm -hmm. to offer for sale. However, it'll be integrated into the Verizon uh, family in order to provide their customers better service. Do the customers make out in the end? The customers will make out in the end on those types of acquisitions. But what... I've found very frustrating as um, as being in corporate IT or when the acquisitions are multiple 
rapid acquisitions of products uh, such as, uh, for example, I've just seen in the last year Reflex Magnetics purchased by PointSec, who then becomes purchased by Checkpoint. And as an IT administrator or a corporation, you know, wh- whose product am I buying? And how are they going to support this? I mean, if you're going through a difficult acquisition or, you know, change within the organization, I think a lot of times there's a focus on the organizational processes and the products themselves tend to get left behind. Mm-hmm. Is there any way to, as an IT person, to insulate yourself from some of this? Well, I think the first thing to do is before you purchase a product, do your homework. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk to the vendor, do some research, find out if, if there's any type of um, uh, fishing expedition going on by other uh, larger companies to procure smaller companies. And usually you can find that sort of information in, um, you know, the financials markets. Should that be part of a company's um, buying strategy? Absolutely. It should be part of any due diligence whenever making a major purchase from a vendor. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say you do have a, you purchase a product from a vendor and it does get acquired by a larger vendor. What do you do then? Well, obviously there's the issue of is the larger fish eating the smaller fish, are you going to be required to purchase their product? Mm -hmm. For instance, Symantec went on a huge brying spree a couple years ago, but because they integrated a number of products into their, under their, their brand, does that mean, did, did that mean that as an end user, you had to go ahead and purchase Symantec infrastructure in order to now support the product you previously owned. So th- there's really no strategy then or no way to really avoid that other than to just <laughs> do your due, due diligence. That and just, you know, cross your fingers and, and hope that if you've got a solution installed in your infrastructure that's working, it's a point solution, you're happy with it, you're getting good service from your vendor, that um, they don't get bought out. <laughs> uh, does this even come down to maybe uh uh, buying best of breed versus buying from a, a larger player? Right. Well, that's the difficulty in buying a best of breed, is because your best of breed players, their goal is ultimately two things. They either want to get bought by a larger corporation or they want to go public. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it's business. And businesses are out to make money. So, you know, in part of your due diligence, maybe that's something you should be asking your uh, point solution provider is, you know, what are your plans? For some companies, buying best of breed means being on constantly on the edge uh, of technology and having best and the, and the greatest technology as part of a strategy to, to be ahead of, the, of your competition. Well, absolutely. Um, typically, point solutions and best of breed are, are on the cutting edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, those companies are much more agile than your larger corporations, and they can provide a lot of innovation. But, you know, in the same sense, uh, they provide, they, there's the opportunity to provide little stability. Mm-hmm. You may end up with some wonderful technical support for, as compared to a larger vendor, but it's a crapshoot. Yeah, really, maybe it just comes right down to how much risk you're uh, able to take. And that's what the security industry is about. It's all about <laughs> risk. Next, I had a conversation with Andy Jones at the InfoSec World Conference and Expo in March. Andy is a security researcher at the UK-based Information Security Forum. 
He talks about developing a security strategy. Um, I've been with the Information Security Forum for two and a half years as a security researcher. Uh, prior to that, I was head of information security for a large UK food retailer, uh, not known in the US, but used to own the Shores chain in uh, Boston area. And I spent two and a half years working in security in an outsourced uh, environment. Um, before that, I was within information security with British Airways um, for a number of years. So I've had probably about yeah about eight to ten years at uh, security, of which six have been at the sharp cutting end. I would say. Okay. Um, the presentation you gave, or at least one of the presentations that you gave here at the conference, was about uh, creating a, a successful information security strategy. Yeah. It seems really, really broad to me. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can define that for us. What, what does that mean to you? And yeah, um, it, it, it's a pretty broad subject. Um, it's not something there's a lot of maturity around. Um, we talked to a number of our members. About 25% of, of our members seem to have some sort of security strategy. To some people, that's just a plan, um, but we're seeing a number of um, drivers that are forcing you to have one, particularly around compliance and audit. Um, so people are starting to wake up to the fact that they actually need to have one. Um, now, it is quite a broad thing. Um, strategy in itself is quite uh, a loosely defined subject, um, so people are really struggling to actually say, well, what does that actually mean for information security? Um, we've taken the approach, we've done quite a lot of work now, and we're taking the approach that there are three aspects of a strategy. Okay. One is that we demonstrate the information security actually adds to the business strategy and maps directly to the business strategy and the business initiatives and supports and add value. Uh, so that's one aspect of it, and there are various techniques we've looked at to actually do that. The second aspect, which is perhaps more the information security comfort zone, is defending against threats mm -hmm. and actually knowing that our strategy needs to be long-term protection against threats, and that means threats that we don't currently know about. So you need to actually take a look what's coming down the pipeline. Be proactive instead very, of defensive. Yeah, very proactive, proactive risk mitigation really. Um, there's an area of crystal ball gazing about it, but to some extent you've got to do that. The third aspect, um, which is actually really a positioning aspect, saying where is the information function? Do we have a seat at the top table? If we don't, where do we want to go? Do we want to be at the top table? And what are the things we need to do to get there? And that's primarily looking at things that traditionally we've been quite weak at, and that's really marketing ourselves. So three aspects to an information security. It's interesting. Why, why, do, why do you have to market yourself? Because, because we don't do it. Um, information security is generally perceived uh, not as a value add. Um, we are doing an increasing amount of stuff that is really good for the business that actually adds value. Uh, a number of uh, banks are now starting to use security as a brand enhancer. Uh, on the website, they're saying, you know, we are a secure site. Mm -hmm. uh, we give you antivirus. We give you strong authentication. Um, so actually, but we're not shouting about that. Um, we're doing an awful lot of stuff with compliance, um, and that's really important for the business. We're the people actually making sure that Sarbanes-Oxley compliance is the reality, but not shouting about it. So we're doing lots of good stuff, but keeping quiet about it. Is compliance really the main driver of most security strategies at this point? It's, it's, it's a big significant driver. There are other benefits. Um, there are benefits in actually 
uh, defending your budget. One of, the, one of the techniques we've looked at is actually taking the business strategy um, and visualizing it and actually saying, well, each business initiative in the strategy should have a mapped, a directly one-to-one -one mapped security initiative. So we can actually use that technique to say, this security initiative maps directly to the business initiative. Therefore, if you cut my funding, you're cutting your own business initiative. Mm -hmm. So it's a way of defending your your budget. But certainly compliance is, is a big driver. A lot of laws and legislation are coming on the books that don't say you must have a security strategy, but the audit interpretation says, well, we should really be looking for an information security strategy to support the spirit of the law. I think the only, the only law that we found that actually pretty much says you've got to have one is FISMA. Um, and obviously not everyone's in the scope of FISMA, but even things like Gramlich Bliley, the auditors are saying, well, the spirit of the law suggests we ought to be looking for a security strategy if we're auditing against that. So increasingly, internal auditors are saying, well, you know, you really should have one. What are some of the other areas driving uh, security strategies? You mentioned compliance, mm -hmm. but what are some of the other areas? Um, there is the aspect of proactive risk. Okay. Um, we, we've done some work now looking at what are the future threats coming in the next two years. And we're trying to take that work and say, well, if, you've got, if you're looking at things from a strategic longer-term plan, um, you need to start planning some of the infrastructure, some of the controls and mitigation you get into. You need to start planning for it now, getting the funding in place and stuff like that. And that means looking a bit more proactively. But not just at the information security uh, threats, and these are things like, you know, what's malware going to look like in two years? Um, but actually saying, well, what's the business doing from its strategy, and what risks is that going to introduce? Because you can, you can take a look at the business strategy usually and say, well, in the next two years, we're going to be doing that. And that means that, you know, from a technology point of view, to support that, we're going to be doing, I don't know, extending our network. Um, therefore, I need to respond to it. So just looking at actually the threats that come not just from external, but actually the threats that come from other strategies. So just taking a, a longer-term view for it. A major issue that we're hearing right now is obviously network access control. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you have a strategy in place, you would probably be planning in advance mm -hmm. for possibly implementing NAC at some point. Yeah. A lot of companies are considering it. Mm -hmm. So is your point really that if you have a strategy in place, it will make things easier when you go up the rung and uh, try to try to get your budget to the bottom line uh, yeah. signed? Yeah. There's a, there's a big aspect. To, uh, a lot of the strategy stuff we're doing is actually taking the business language of strategy, which the business are very familiar with, and actually using that to talk back to them. Um, so if you can actually demonstrate, yeah, like you, I've looked long-term, and there are things that are particular to me, but what I'm doing is actually supporting your business strategy and talking to those terms. You're just going to get a more favorable response. Mm -hmm. There are elements where, you know, it's difficult to do that. But if you can demonstrate, well, you, you know, you're, you're doing this to your network, therefore I need to do this to it, and it's a one-to-one -one mapping. Um, and we talk a lot about actually embedding the security business case in the business business case. So you're no longer the holder of the security budget. It's in the business case for the business initiative. Less likely to get cut. And, and if you can create that association through the strategy, um, a good way of defending your budget, really. And finally in this episode, Paul Adamanis. He's Director of Security Solutions at IT Consultancy Foresight. Adamanis says buying decisions should be based on grouping security solutions into categories rather than buying technology based on vendor relationships. Consolidation at this point in the security industry, um, we've seen it in enterprise apps. You know, why security now? Well, I, I, I think the consolidation of security 
security industry is not necessarily collapsing in and amongst itself with the security vendors. Mm-hmm. That you're seeing the, you know, you're seeing acquisition and merger activity into non-security vendors. You know, like the the EMC purchase of RSA and network intelligence um, were. You know, it was an acquisition to expand its touch with the customer. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody knows that security is becoming a strategic play inside organizations. So in order for you to, for a large vendor or infrastructure vendor to solidify their place in a market or their place inside a customer, they have to be able to offer more than just their basic solution. And you're going to see some of the bigger security companies buying the little ones to gain a bigger market share and broaden their capabilities. And then the bigger ones will get absorbed into larger players that don't currently have a security offering at this point in time. Are there any particular areas within security that that you see is, is ripe for consolidation right now? or Companies that are primed for the picking because of the hot space right now is in the information leak prevention space or the data leak prevention. Gartner's now calling it Oh, interesting. Okay. That's a new hot space. Everybody needs to know how to classify their data, how to track their data, how to make sure that it's not leaving the organization without, um, in an unwanted state, without authorization. I, I, I guess there are a couple of ways a company needs to go about this. It's either a company is going to be using a vendor, be a customer of a vendor that is that is acquired. Or a company is going to be navigating the market looking for a vendor and needs to decide between choosing, you know, a smaller best-of-breed vendor versus a large vendor. How do companies respond when their vendor has been acquired? That kind of leads me back into the methodology that we use to keep track of vendors and what they have to offer. Sure. You know, I look at it and say that a C-level person, CISO or CIO, needs to keep track of what they need overall. And, and what we've done with our change methodology is we've taken the myriad of vendor space that we deal with, and there's probably about 75 or plus vendors that we deal with on a regular basis. And they all have point solutions. They, they all hit the market at some, you know, whether it's anti-spam or network encryption or SSL or whatever, they have a point solution. We take those 45 to 50 point solutions, track them back into the six chains categories, which is content, host, application, identity, network, and security program management. And really, you look at it and talk to a C-level executive that says, you have to keep track of what you need. So if you're out there looking for a product line, you really should base the the search on what you need. Is, is this a content issue? Do you need to secure content at rest, um, in transit? You need to be able to filter on that content, whether it's inbound for, for your end users or whether it's, you know, controlling outbound content and or, you know, start talking about, okay, we have an identity issue. What is, what is really the issues around your identity needs? And trying to find that before you ever go look for a vendor that says, you know, we have the, the latest and greatest single sign-on solution, and you know what, you need to make your environment fit our product line. Organizations start viewing it from the, the perspective of not what's out there and what can I use, but really 
have to define it as to what do I need to make my organization secure and how can I make sure that that if I am dealing in content that I make sure it's, it's you know data at rest, it's data in motion, it's data going in and out, in and out of my network from a usage standpoint. Now, is there anything wrong with that, though? Is there anything wrong with making your your architecture or what, whatever your system you possibly need, um, making it change to fit a vendor? You almost have to do that if you start to go down the road of having a complete end-to-end identity management solution because that becomes a infrastructure change in and of itself. So when you do get into that particular sector of conversation and say, I want to secure access to my data and I want to build access control rules and objectives and everything else, you have to figure out what needs to change in your organization before you ever start bolting on a product line. So in some situations, it's necessary to do that. When you're talking about, when you're talking at an infrastructure level, I think you have to, to think about changing your organization to fit that whether it's network firewalls or network behavioral analysis, the IDM space, you know, maybe some of the hosting environment and how you build your your server environments, whether it's virtual, whether it's physical, you have to think about changing your network there. And the security vendors will be some of the drive to that, but it's a security vendor coupled with an infrastructure change that has to happen. Let's talk a little bit more about this mapping strategy. When should companies begin this, and how long does it actually take to to map out? To map out the categories that the vendors are in is an ongoing process. We we sit there, you know, one of the easiest places to start something like that is take one of the premier security shows. The RSA conference from earlier this year had 275-plus vendors that were categorized into specific point solution spaces. I think they had about 75 different categories, and and the vendors popped up in multiple categories because some of them do, they have a core competency and they offer two or three other um, additional competencies in their, their product line. So you can take something like that, it gives you that mapping right there from a vendor listing, from a categorization standpoint, but now you really have to start to, to define you know, what falls into that content space, what falls into the application space, what falls into security program management space, and then think about the pieces that you need in there. So eventually you come up with an end-to-end solution that you have to have, you have to have security around each one of those categories, or at least around the five categories that the top end of the, the piece, and then security program management is more about the monitoring and ongoing management of all of those five spaces. You know, a company can start at any point in time. It's a matter of starting to look at your vendors and saying, okay, what do they have to offer? You know, and as the industry consolidates, it'll be easier to keep track of, you know, Checkpoint bought PointSec. So Checkpoint was in the, the network firewall, the network IPS, the SSL space, and now they're in desktop encryption. You know, they were in desktop firewall space because of their acquisition of Zone Labs a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And and you you now have a vendor like that that has multiple multiple plays. It, it's typically thought of as your firewall vendor, but they have much more to offer. 
Well, clearly, with all of the acquisitions in recent months, the industry is in a state of transition. And it all comes down to how much risk your firm can take. We heard from Sandra K. Miller. She explained that some enterprises can experience issues that the best-of-breed technology they're using is acquired by a large vendor. Andy Jones talked about developing an effective security strategy to deal with large projects. And finally, Paul Adamanis explained how to create a roadmap for buying decisions. That ends this edition of Security 360. Be sure to check out our previous podcasts at certsecurity.com slash podcast. And as always, you can get the latest information, security news and information at our news page at certsecurity.com slash news. For now, I'm Rob Westervelt. Have a great day.